Good morning. It's great to be with you. When I was invited to speak on Laity Sunday, my first thought about what I want to speak about. Today, I think I'm going to talk about one of Jesus' disciples. I've always been interested in the lives of the 12 disciples, perhaps because they were just ordinary folks like you and me. None of them were known for their scholarship. None of them were known for their outstanding natural talents. Just like you and me, they were prone to mistakes and failures. At least four and possibly seven of the disciples were fishermen from the area of Capernaum. One was a zealot, one was a tax collector, and others may have been craftsmen. But we're not told exactly what they did before they became followers of Christ. All of them were from Galilee except for one being Judas. They had faults and character flaws, and Jesus knew their shortcomings long before he chose them. Jesus trained them and empowered them with the task of spreading his gospel. He counted on these men to spread the gospel. There was really no plan B. Of all the disciples, none of the men Jesus chose was more of a sinner than Matthew, the tax collector. He was the last person we might expect Jesus to call. Tax collectors were despicable, vile, scoundrels, and that's why Matthew's story has always fascinated me. Today I want to talk about Matthew, the tax collector, and the disciple. We can't fully understand Matthew as a person without first looking at tax collectors in general during Jesus' time. Nobody likes paying taxes, but it was even worse in the first century Capernaum. There were two types of tax collectors. General tax collectors who collected taxes for the Romans such as income tax and property tax and poll tax, and these taxes were usually of a fixed rate. The second type of tax was an ordinary tax on goods, and he would collect taxes on everything else, and the rate wasn't fixed. In addition, there were taxes collected on goods, and he assigned a tax on those goods. These tax collectors made their money on whatever they could squeeze out of the population. After giving Rome what was due, they would pocket the rest. The more corrupt they were, the more money they made. Rome didn't seem to mind as long as the local collectors gave Rome its share. If you lived in Jesus' time, there were many reasons to hate tax collectors. Not only were they taking things from you personally, but tax collectors represented the hated Rome. Being a tax collector was bad enough, but guess what, folks? Being a Jewish tax collector was really like selling out to Rome. They were greedy. They often collected far more than what was required. They kept the extra money, and they lived lavish, immoral lifestyles. The Jewish people had no other recourse but to pay the taxes because behind each tax collector was the power of the Roman Empire. No one could touch the tax collectors. Matthew worked under a chief tax collector. He was the little guy hired to do the dirty work. He set up his booth and milked his fellow Jews out of their hard-earned money. Matthew's tax booth was set up in Capernaum, which was Jesus' base of operations. 
Capernaum was a fishing village on the North Sea of Galilee. It was a busy trading route, so many people came and went through Capernaum. It was a very profitable location for the greedy tax collectors like Matthew. For the Jewish people, Matthew and other tax collectors were daily reminders of their submission to Rome. Now, how could a fellow Jew do, Jew do such a thing? Well, let's begin to find out about Matthew by reading our scripture today, which is found in your order of worship, found in Luke 5, verses 27 through 32. Now, Matthew had two names, and this scripture, Luke refers to Matthew by his Jewish name, Levi, beginning at verse 27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and left everything and followed him. Then Levi gave a great banquet for him in his house. There was a large crowd of tax collectors and others sitting at the table with him. The Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with these tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have come to call, not the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Now this is the word of God for the people of God. A lot happens in these short six verses. First, Jesus saw Matthew. He asked him to follow him. And Matthew left everything to follow Jesus. Then, Matthew held a big banquet to celebrate that Jesus had called him. I want to use this scripture to talk about three things that I've noticed about Matthew. The first thing is that Matthew's actions as a tax collector were greatly disappointing to his parents. That's never happened to any of us in this room. Matthew's Jewish name, Levi, means joined and was a reference to his being a part of the tribe of Levi. And these, this tribe of Levi was set apart to worship and serve God in the temple. Matthew had studied scripture as a young Jewish boy and had benefited from a childhood of godly training and education. Now, instead of choosing a profession where he could serve God, he became a tax collector. For the Romans. No Jewish parent ever wanted their child to grow up and collect taxes, especially for the cruel and oppressive Roman Empire. I'm sure these parents were heartbroken. Tax collectors were excommunicated from the synagogue. They couldn't serve as witnesses in court, and they couldn't make sacrifices in the temple for the forgiveness of the people's sins. Matthew was despised by the Romans because he was Jewish and he was considered a traitor by the Jews because he was siding with the Romans. Well, Matthew was considered lower than a Gentile, perhaps even a dog. He was excluded from all religious contact, and his family considered Matthew hopeless. Though Matthew had more money and education than the other disciples, no one was more of a sinner than Matthew. He was the most unacceptable disciple that Jesus had called. Now our scripture says that Matthew was sitting in his tax booth and Jesus saw him. The word saw actually means more than just looking at him. A commentary has said that Jesus, when Jesus saw Matthew, was more than a, 
just a passing glance. It was a calm, continuous contemplation. If their eyes met, I'm sure Matthew thought, why is this man Jesus looking at me? I wonder what he wants from me. Jesus saw more than a man who had, left, who had lived a life full of sin. He saw a man who had become a meticulous recorder of the gospel and a fisher of men. I can imagine the scene, Matthew and Jesus looking at each other. One man, a notorious sinner who was a disappointment to his godly parents, and the other man about to change his life forever. The second thing I want to talk about is Matthew's choice. Matthew's decision to follow Jesus demanded that he make the right choice then and there. Our scripture says that Jesus told Matthew to follow me. And Matthew immediately rose up, left his booth, and followed this man Jesus. From his tax booth in Capernaum, Matthew had probably seen many healings and many miracles performed. Matthew had just heard about the paralytic who had been cured by his friends who, who dropped him in the ceiling and lowered him to Jesus through the hole in the roof. Earlier, Jesus had cast out demons and healed multitudes of diseased people. None of this didn't seem to have any effect on Matthew. He was still in his booth, carrying out his daily business as usual. There had to be something to explain his sudden willingness to follow Jesus. The answer could only be the irresistible grace of God. Matthew left everything right then and there to follow Jesus. Now Peter, Andrew, James, and John also left their fishing boats to follow Jesus, but it was very different for Matthew. The fishermen could go back to their boats and their livelihood. If things didn't work out for Matthew, he could not go back. A person just couldn't give up being a tax collector for the Romans and expect to ever go back. Levi, the hated Jewish tax collector, was now the disciple Matthew, which means gift of God. The third thing I want to talk about is Matthew's reaction to being called as a follower. Our scripture says that Matthew held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Matthew wanted to immediately tell others about this Jesus who had called him. Being filled with such joy at having his sins forgiven, he wanted to tell as many people as possible. And he did so in a very interesting way. He threw a feast at his home. It probably didn't even bother him when the scribes and the Pharisees tried to rain on his parade. Matthew invited other tax collectors and sinners and other lowlife to his house because they were probably the only kind of people he knew. Matthew wanted them to know about his decision to follow Jesus, and he wanted them to meet this man, Jesus. I'm sure friends and associates must have been astounded to hear that he was leaving this very profitable business to follow this man, Jesus. He couldn't wait to share his good news, could he? Matthew was now a changed man. The Pharisees and the religious leaders were outraged and criticized the fact that Jesus was eating with sinners. Well, 
Jesus had not come to call the self-righteous, but he had called the sinners instead. And that's what verse 32 says. In other words, there was nothing he could do for the religious elite of the time who thought they were already good enough. Instead, Jesus had come for people like Matthew who prepared to confess their sins and be forgiven and be redeemed. Forgiveness and redemption are threads that run throughout this story. Matthew knew his sin, he knew his greed, and his betrayal of his own people. He knew he was guilty of corruption, extortion, and oppression of fellow Jews. But when Jesus said, follow me, Matthew knew there was a promise of redemption. His heart had longed for forgiveness, and that is why he didn't hesitate and devoted his life to following Christ. So in a sense, we have story, a story of two collectors. We have Matthew and we have Jesus. Matthew was a collector of taxes, and Jesus was a collector of souls. Matthew got up every day looking for money, his heart full of greed, and he was focused on material prosperity and a comfortable lifestyle. He was willing to be an outcast among his fellow Jews. He was willing to be a spiritual outcast and be banned from the worship in the temple. All this for the love of money. Matthew was collecting earthly treasures. Jesus came along at this time and said, follow me. For Matthew to follow, he had to be more than an external call. Matthew had to be transformed from within. There had to be an internal call. When Jesus asked Matthew to follow him, Matthew knew he had to give up worldly ambitions and earthly pleasures. Following Jesus required an internal transformation. Now, I can't help but believe that Jesus delighted in choosing same, some of the most least attractive people. Following Jesus required those who were called to do things differently and leave things behind. If you look at the road behind Jesus and his disciples, you'll see all kinds of things that were left behind. Family members were left behind. Relationships were left behind. Careers were left behind. There were businesses left behind. There was money left behind. There were boats and fishing nets left behind. There were plans left behind. There were egos and self-centeredness left behind. But most important, there were sins left behind. To sum things up, let's think, of, let's think again about our scripture today. When Matthew decided to follow Jesus, he was not just accepting a different way of life. He became an accepted person. For a despised tax collector, that change must have been wonderful for Matthew. Now, Jesus also gave Matthew a new purpose in life, a new purpose for his skills. When he followed Jesus, the only tool that Matthew took with him was his pen. From the beginning, God had made Matthew a record keeper of all the taxes that he had collected. But he was able to put these skills to their finest work. Matthew was a keen observer, and he recorded everything that was going on around him. God used the skills that Matthew had perfected as a tax collector to write the greatest story ever told.
This scripture is a beautiful story of the forgiveness and redemption. It shows there's redemption for even the most notorious of sinners. We learn that to be collected by Jesus means that you'll leave the self-centered life that you've planned to enter your life centered around him. As with Matthew, your life won't be about what you can achieve here on earth. It won't be about what you want to do. You're leaving behind your old way of life to follow him in a new and holy life. The very same Jesus who spoke to Matthew in the first century is speaking to us today. We know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Now, if Jesus was in this very, very room today, we can look around. We don't have to wonder what Jesus would say, do we? We know exactly what he would say to each and every one of us. Jesus would say the very same thing that he said to Matthew. He would say, follow me. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.